All right. Well, we are so glad that you are here today. Uh, one more thing I wanted to mention as well. Next Sunday is a special Sunday you don't want to miss. Um, the entire service will be led by Teen Challenge Ranch. So they're going to be leading a worship. They're going to, uh, Rick Casto is going to be preaching. I know some of the men will be sharing testimonies. We love this every year. It is incredibly, incredibly powerful. So I want to encourage you, come out next Sunday, invite a friend, invite family. It, it's going to be really powerful, so you don't want to miss it. I also hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving week. Hopefully you got to spend it with some friends and family. Um, I know it's been interesting for my family. My kids were at home all week. And as much as I love it, I know after a while they get a little restless and they start to get a little rambunctious, maybe even push the limits sometimes. And I have some kids that at different times we have to have this discussion to remind them who is in charge. Yes. Because there's this weird thing that happens and they suddenly forget all the rules and they think they're in charge. They're like, we're going to stay up later tonight. And I was like, you are? It's like, yeah, because we don't have school tomorrow. I was like, mm, I don't know about that. I need to go to bed right now. So you're going to go to bed, you know. Or, you know, we're going to have extra candy this night or, or whatever it is. They're, they think those times they're in charge. And we have had this discussion multiple times. I, I will often just ask them, who is in charge? And I get this look from Caleb, you're in charge. I know. <laughs> and I have to be on top of it because I remember several years ago, I actually overheard Caleb talking to his sister. And I, I don't know what the conversation was about or what they were even going back and forth on, but I did happen to hear Caleb uh, say to his sister, Audrey, one day mom and dad will get old and then we will be in charge. <laughs> I was like, man, he's trying to start an uprising right now. It's like, we will rule. So I'm always on the alert right now. It's like, man, this guy's ready to take over, ready to be in charge. And I realize in my own life, how many times have I done the same thing? How many of times have I desperately fought and wanted to be in charge of everything I did and said and everything that happened around me? And I thought at times I could accomplish it. And over and over again, I realize how little I am in charge. And we're going to see that in our passage today. And we're going to be talking about Jonah. And we see this man, Jonah, who is on the run for a big portion of this story. And he was running from God. But this one, this time... He's not running from God. He's not even running to God. I think he's trying to run God. He is trying to run the show, run how things happen, and he is trying to tell God how and what he needs to write his story. So if you've been with us uh, about the past month and a half, uh, we've been walking through the book of Jonah. It's a short book. It's only four chapters long, but I have found it to be incredibly powerful, incredibly insightful, incredibly challenging. And so just to kind of recap a little bit again, you've got Jonah, who's this prophet in Israel, and he is told by God, he's given a word to go to Nineveh and to preach to them. And, and Jonah decides he doesn't want to do that. So he decides to hit the road, and instead of heading uh, northeast towards Nineveh, he heads on a boat as far away as he can get in the opposite direction, literally trying to head to what at that point was the end of the world. That's how far and how fast he was trying to run from God. 
While he is on this boat, though, God sends a storm, and he ends up being thrown overboard. God then has a fish to catch him and save his life. And when Jonah is literally at rock bottom in that moment, finally, he calls out on God and says, God, I need you. I have blown it, and I'll go to Nineveh. I'll do whatever you want. Just I need to get out of this fish. I want to live again. And God allows that fish to spit him up. He takes the journey to go to Nineveh. And amazingly, he preaches to Nineveh. And if you read this passage again, his sermon isn't that great. I kind of wonder half the time if he was half-hearted and giving it. He's like, 40 days, God will kill you all. All right. (laughs) I don't think he still wanted to be in Nineveh. He just did it because he knew that was the agreement he made with God. And yet, for some reason, not because of Jonah... But because the power of God, the entire city and the region breaks out in revival. And from the greatest to the least, they start repenting, putting on sackcloth and ashes, getting on their faces before God and saying, God, we have sinned against you and we need you. And God forgives them and uh, relinquishes from his judgment on them. And we're going to see here in chapter four that Jonah is irate about it. As messed up as he was the past several chapters running from God, He is just as much, if not more, in the wrong and messed up and and making things worse for himself here in chapter 4. So let me read this uh, part of the scripture. Let me start with the last verse of chapter 3, and then we'll read the very beginning of chapter 4. It says here in Jonah 3, verse 10, when God saw that they did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, talking about Nineveh, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love. Isn't it odd to be angry about that? How dare you be so loving, God? (laughs) But he is. He says, you are a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. Then he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. So... I personally, again, read this story, and it's very easy for me to judge Jonah and say, man, what a jerk this guy was. He's supposed to be the prophet of God, and he's just all over the map here. But the harder I look at this story and the more I even prepared this message, the more I felt like God is saying, you know, there's some Jonah in you as well. There's so many times I fall in the same kind of situation where I'm trying to dictate my own story and trying to make things happen, and I'm blaming other people and all these things that Jonah's doing, and it never works. And so I want you to understand maybe where you're at in this story, what part of Jonah's life is also in yours. Sometimes you don't even see it. This is the tricky part about this. I often have done the same things and I was totally unaware of it. I think Jonah wasn't truly aware of what was going on in his life. Again, we read it and we're like, that's ridiculous. But at that moment, he couldn't see anything else other than his frustration. So what do you need to see in your life in order to recognize when you're following his pattern here and you're trying to run the show with God? Well, I think first, you've got to be careful when you start to see a desire in your life to want to write your own script. 
And you get frustrated when others don't follow that script. So have you ever made plans and you expected people to respond a certain way and they don't do it? You get a gift for your kids, like, this is going to be fabulous. It's like, I don't know, whatever, this is dumb, you know? And then you're kind of disappointed. It doesn't follow your script. I remember um, when I first got married. So this is early days. I had so little knowledge of how women worked and how marriage worked. But I learned early on, my wife went shopping one day on a, she doesn't do it often, but she kind of goes on once in a while and just buys several things. And then I learned what's supposed to happen after that. As when she gets home, she then wants to try on every outfit and I need to respond to those purchases. And in her mind, there was already a script written for how I should respond. I was not given this script and did not know what I was supposed to say. But I remember she tried on different dresses and she put on one or different outfits. And one of them she was really excited about, I didn't know that as much, but she asked me my opinion. I'm trying to be honest here. (laughs) Yeah, everybody, yeah, you know what happened. So I was like, what do you think about this dress? And I was like, oh, it's all right. I don't really like it, I guess. You know, and I just kind of, I didn't run it down that bad, but I just didn't really care for it. And she was so mad at me. (laughs) Not because of the dress, but I think often in our minds, we have pre-planned a script. She planned that she was going to buy this outfit, come home, and I was going to be like, oh my goodness, this is gorgeous. Let's go tell the city, tell our children, come look at your mother, you know. And it was going to be exciting. And it was going to be a parade and party and all this stuff. And obviously, that's a little exaggeration. But I did not follow any form of that script. And have you ever tried to write your script and you get frustrated when others don't follow it. Have you ever tried to write and plan out the script for your life and God doesn't follow your script either? And you just, just, just shake your fist like Jonah. It's like, how dare you, God? How many times have maybe, maybe you prayed for something and didn't happen and you wanted to get healed, but God didn't follow your script? Or you prayed that you would get married and and it's not happening and you prayed for this and you prayed for that and God is not following your plan for your life and it's so frustrating at times. And if you're not careful, you'll turn that frustration on God himself. And that's what Jonah did. He had a script he expected God to follow and he expected God to punish the sinners that were in Nineveh and there was no question that they deserved judgment and punishment They were an evil people who terrorized most of the land around them. They were enemies of Israel, and and Jonah was just irate at them, and he did not want them to experience the mercy and the love of God. Have you ever been in those moments where you wanted God to do one thing, and he did something completely different? And it causes you just to kind of wrestle because it's so easy to make those plans for how you think things are going to happen, and you just kind of warp things and just say, this is, this is what's supposed to happen. I had this past week, um, I went to, I made the mistake of going to Walmart on Black Friday and it was the afternoon. So most of the crowd was gone, but here's the weird thing that happened. We got a great parking spot right up front. And I was like, thank you God for this blessing. I got a new parking spot. It's right here front. And as we were both walking out of the car, we're walking up to the front door and this elderly gentleman comes up to us and says, what agency are you with? I'm not lying. This really happened. And my first thought was like, 
what agency? Is, is this like a conspiracy theory? Like, does he think we're in the men in black or something weird, you know? And he's like, what agency are you with? And I was like, I don't know. We're not with an agency. Then what are you doing parking over there? And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, he had decided that we parked in the res- spot reserved for law enforcement. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. See, we parked next to that spot. See that spot with the sign in the other parking spot? But you know what he did? He gave us this weird look like, you're lying to me. (laughs) You know why? Because he had already determined his script about who we were and how we should respond. And he was certain we were just trying to cheat the system and take the law enforcement's parking spot. I was like, I did not do that. And so, like, he's still giving us this weird evil eye. And so I just grabbed Kay. He's like, we're going to go in shopping. Just leave right now and just, just pray for this gentleman. And I hope he doesn't try to kill us when we walk out the store. But he was gone. But how easy is it to decide something quickly and ahead of time and then everything else has to fall into place with the way you decided it should work? And when it doesn't, you start to get a little weird and you may even get a little frustrated. Like Jonah you might even throw a little temper tantrum. Do you remember uh, some of you who have had kids when they were toddlers and they go through that phase where I know Audrey in particular, um, again, great kids, but as a two-year-old, she decided to test the limits of, of crying. Where Caleb has his own things, he does. Kay, Audrey would just stop, break down, lay on the ground and just start bawling for the slightest thing. You know, it's like, hey, you don't get to have an extra piece of candy. <gasps> you know, and would just roll on the floor and would just wail and just like, it just kept going. And at first I was like, okay, you know, what are we supposed to do? And I soon learned she was getting frustrated because we weren't giving her what she wanted when she wanted. And she decided if she could throw a little hissy fit, just like most kids do, that maybe she could get us to cave and give in to what she wants. Rarely did I do that. <laughs> it just kind of made me more um, instill the fact of like, hey, we're not going to compromise in this because you're throwing a fit. If you ask nicely, maybe. But I have done the same thing to God. It's easy to judge and say, man, you're acting like a little kid. But, but isn't Jonah? How dramatic is he? Where he's like, you didn't punish them. I could die. This is horrible. I hate my life. It's like, okay, this, let's stay calm here. Is he a little bit? Maybe trying to manipulate God even. How dare you, God, do this? If you don't do this, I'm, I'm going to do something really bad. I won't give in the offering this week, God, if you won't come through on the thing I asked you to do. Or I've seen people, it's like, I won't go to church until God has answered the prayer, given me the thing I wanted when I wanted it. And, and we're trying to, like, manipulate him or, or fight with him. And, and we need to realize, like Jonah, is that we cannot change who God is. He is God, and he's the one who gets to decide what and how he does the things he does. And we don't get to decide the script he has to follow. But you know what happens after that? This is the the next thing you got to be aware of. Is after you try to write that script and others don't follow it, I think often 
we, we were trying to write to the future, and if that doesn't work out, I think we try to rewrite the past, and we try to make our story fit our script. So when things don't go according to your plan, because we can't dictate the end, we start to change what really happened around us. So notice how Jonah starts to rant, I believe, about the very character of God. And he started complaining, I knew, God, you were merciful. I knew you were loving and kind, and you would show mercy to this place. And I wonder, is that really true? (laughs) I don't know. But how easy is it after the fact to say, I knew all along it wouldn't work out the way I expected. I knew that you would do this. I knew. And then we try to justify ourselves and act like we were in the right the whole time. I was just going along for it. But God, I knew you would never actually go through the whole, the whole judgment thing. That was just for show. And I'm like, wait a minute. What are you doing here? He, he himself, I believe, is rewriting the character of God. And claiming, he's like, you know, I was, it wasn't a big deal. I was doing all these things right. Like, this is Jonah, the guy on the run. And he's blaming God for being merciful. It, it's, it reminds me, again, I love to tell story of my cat. So my cat, Molly, is like 15 years old now. So she's getting on up there. And there's certain things she's not physically able to do anymore. So... Um, one of the things is our bed is on like little risers and she used to be able to jump up to that thing like, like it was just nothing. And now she struggles to make it up to the bed. We care so much about our cat. We put an ottoman at the end of our bed so that our cat could get on the ottoman and then get onto the bed because she was trying to jump onto the bed and it would be that awkward, like she would get halfway up and it'd be like, you know, and she would start flailing and fall back. But you know what I love the most about when she would ever, ever she would do that? Is when she would fall off the bed, she would, like any typical cat, this is how cats are, she would walk away like, like, like she meant to do it. I didn't want to get on that bed anyway. That's the <laughs> dumbest thing ever. Stupid bed, who put that there, you know? And she wouldn't walk away sad or like try to get back up. The moment she couldn't get on, she's like, I'm going over here. Stupid bed, you know? And I'm like, how many times do I do the same thing? I didn't even want to ask them out on a date. I wanted to say no to you first, you know, and we changed history. I didn't want that promotion at work. It would have been more stressful. And we're rewriting the story because it didn't fit our script. And so we start making our story fit our script. And we change our past and we change those around us. Here's what I find happens is we start looking around at other people and we start villainizing them. Because it's not my fault things didn't work out the way I expect. My spouse deserved what they got. My boss was a jerk. And if he hadn't been that jerk, you know, things would have been a little bit differently. And we start to see things that aren't even there. And we rewrite the story. And we make people around us the villains when often they didn't even do anything. I remember um, I had a friend of mine at church who went on a mission trip. Not with me, but he actually was on a mission trip with my dad, an older gentleman. And at the end of this missions trip, so they were working and building, I think actually physically building a church in Central America. And at the end of the trip, they had some of their team video all the missionaries or all the team from this, on this missionary trip working and building the church and doing all these things. So they were little clips of here and there and all the things they did. And my dad noticed this friend of ours that when they were sitting in the airport, he was just like steaming. He was like, I'm so mad. I can't believe this happened. And it's like, what happened? What's going on? And he said, did you see that video? And he's like, yeah, we saw the video. 
they didn't include me once in the video. <laughs> this is the guy who paid lots of money, spent a lot of time and effort to travel to another country so that he could help serve and build a church in a country that couldn't afford to build their own church. And he was irate because the recap video didn't have him in it. And you know what? My dad was just floored himself. He's like, what on earth are you you're here for? And why are we doing this? And he said, you know, wait a minute. He went and he got that video and he said, we're going to watch it together. I'm sure I saw you. And he said, we slowed it down. We watched the whole video. And he said, I counted. He was in that video like five or six times more than I was in that video. And he was still kind of mad after the fact because he had already decided he was mad. He was already decided his script was, these people are mean. They don't want to include me. And I feel left out. And he made the story fit his script. And I've seen Satan do that to people all the time. They'll look around at someone to be the villain, someone to blame, even if they didn't do anything. I've seen people like come into church like, no one there likes me. They all hate me. And it's like, did anybody say that? No. They all said hello. Yeah. <laughs> but I know inside what they're really saying. And it's like, who told you this? What's going on? You know who often is the one telling you that? I guarantee you it's Satan. He is the one trying to warp your story and reality and make it something it's not. He is the one in that moment trying to help write your script in a whole nother direction that it was never meant to go. I, I think God is trying to get our attention so we won't follow his path and his plan. It's so easy to villainize others, and that's exactly what Jonah himself did. The very first verse here in chapter 4 says that Jonah was displeased because he felt like this was very wrong, what happened, that God didn't judge this, this city. And if you look at that word where it says wrong, literally translated, it, it is evil. Jonah looked at God and said, the fact that you would not judge these evil people, it's evil on you. How dare he look at God himself and say, I think you're an evil God. Who is he villainizing now? And again, I've seen people do it over and over again. God didn't come through in the way I want. He could have stopped it. He could have changed things. I hate him now. And we rewrite the very character of who God is. Jonah was the one. How could he forget that just a short time before this, he was the one in the belly of a fish begging for mercy. He is the one who ran away from God and said, I want nothing to do with you. And yet God saved his life and had mercy on him even though he didn't deserve it. How dare he then look at God and say, how dare you show mercy on somebody else? Do you see how Satan wants to warp your story so that not only are you just blaming God, but you stop caring about others as well? Jonah's very mission was to go and preach to Nineveh. That was his purpose from God. And he is despising it and hating it because he wanted to write the script in a different way. And he told himself, well, I'm the exception. Maybe God had mercy on me, but that's, I, I'm different. These people are really bad. I, I don't know how many times I've preached sermons on forgiveness and almost every time, I have somebody who comes up to me afterwards and says, yeah, I know we're supposed to give, but, but I can't. As if they're the exception where God says, oh, yeah, yours is really bad. 
don't ever forgive that person and harbor the bitterness for the rest of your life, you know? And they think, well, they're really bad, so I don't, I'm the exception. I deserve mercy and grace, but they do not. And it's like, wait a minute, you're, you're losing sight of the whole point of the story, and that's the next thing that happens is you forget the point of it all. Look with me at the next part of this passage in Jonah chapter 4. Let's start at verse 6. It says, Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. This would be the equivalent of the summer in Phoenix. You know, it's just hot. (laughs) He wanted to die. Also true in the summer of Phoenix sometimes. (laughs) And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And I think this is amazing. Jonah says, it is. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I, have not, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? They, they don't know right from wrong. They don't know what in the world they're doing. And also many animals. God loves animals too, so I don't know. But he cares about them. And he's looking at Jonah and saying, Jonah, you are missing the point of what this whole story is all about. I get it was a weird week at Walmart for me. So I went there another day. I go to Walmart a lot. That's my second home after the church, I guess. It's our third home. We're all within like this half mile radius and I go to them a lot. And I was with Katie in the checkout lane. We were trying to get groceries for Thanksgiving dinner. So our cart is stacked full because we're getting a lot. We got a turkey, we got all this stuff and it's all full. And so we went to the self-checkout section, and, you know, they have like five or six of them, and we start scanning all our items, putting them down on the front, down the ground, and one of the workers kindly walks up and says, would you like another cart? I was like, well, you know, that'd be great. Thanks. Then we could put our stuff in that other cart and on the ground. She's like, okay, okay, you can go get one. <laughs> I was like, I, I can? Like, yeah, you can. I was like, I didn't say it, but I was like, I think you missed the point of offering a cart for somebody. Is you just looked at me and said, would you like a cart? Go get one. And I was like, thank you very much. I didn't realize self-checkout also had other rules of what I had to do besides scan my own items. She missed the point. Her job was to help us in that moment, and I had to help. My, I went over. I was like, I guess I have to get a cart now. So I went and got one and came back, and I had to be kind because I'm a pastor, and I go to Walmart all the time. They know me now. I'm like, thanks so much. <laughs> and I wonder if maybe at other times we forget the point of what it's all about. Do you notice that Jonah started to think that it's all about him? He missed the point that his mission, the purpose of the story of Jonah was to reach out to this nation, that, the city that desperately needed God. And yet, if you read through those first few verses, like four or five times, Jonah is complaining that he's talking about himself. 
God, I knew this, and I tried this. I ran away, and I did all these things, and he's making it about himself, and he's forgetting about the people that God sent him to minister to, and he's so caught up in himself that he actually starts complaining and getting more frustrated about this plant. So while he's sitting there, he makes his little shelter. It's not that great. It's blazing hot, and God provides a, a, a plant for him. Some theologians think and scholars think it's some type of castor oil plant. It's a vine slash gourd. grows really fast, has some big leaves. Could have actually been helpful to him to provide some shade. And it says he was super excited about that. Again, I read the, the literal translation for what Jonah was, was described as. Is Jonah rejoiced over this plant with a great rejoicing. That's the literal translation. He was super excited about this plant and the shade it provided. And the moment the next day when God sends a worm to kill this plant, he is so angry. He is fuming. And again, he looks at God and says, it would be better off if I was dead. It's like, okay, wait a minute. This was a plant. And it's just shade is great, but good grief. What's your problem here? He's a little bit overly dramatic, isn't he? You know, there's no shade. Why? death upon me now you know it's like calm down but you know what's so interesting to me Jonah shows more emotion in a good way and a bad way about a plant than he ever even gave two cents for thousands of people who were dying I have been just as guilty of caring way more about stuff that doesn't really matter I'm care, I care about getting my sale at Walmart before somebody else gets that whatever thing for Black Friday. But I don't care about the thousands of people around this area that are dying and going to hell. And God is saying, are you aware that sometimes you are like Jonah? Where you've got so caught up in writing your own story about getting enough money, getting enough image, getting enough stuff or things or whatever it may be that you forgot what the point of your story was all about. And I start complaining to God about things that really don't matter. God, I was praying for this promotion. I was praying for that new car and I was praying for this. And it's like, that's great. But what's the real point? It's not that God doesn't bless us in different ways. But have I been so caught up that I'm so excited about things that don't matter and I'm so upset and frustrated that I toss and turn that I keep thinking about my sports team or my, my car, anything else, then I never once stop and think about what God has called me to do with the little time I have on this earth. So that's the problem Jonah was going through. Jonah lost sight of what this story was all about because here's what's so amazing to me. We talk about this story. It's called Jonah. I get that. The story's not really even about Jonah. Jonah's not even the hero of this story. Do you get that at the very beginning? What's he doing? He's running from God most of the time. And even when he reluctantly responds and obeys God, he's still throwing a hissy fit and a temper tantrum the entire time. God's the one who saved Nineveh. It wasn't Jonah. God's the one who saved Jonah. It wasn't his own strength or ability. It's not because he had a great name as a prophet. It is because God is the one who wants to be the hero and save you from ourselves. He wants to write your story in an amazing and supernatural way. He is the one who gets to decide, and ultimately, he is the one who gets the final word. 
I personally, man, if you tried to make the story of Jonah into a movie, I know VeggieTales did it. They added a lot of extra stuff, so let's be beyond that. The story of Jonah is a horrible story for any like movie or book or anything like that from a secular standpoint. Because the ending just, just fizzles out. If you stopped at the end of chapter 3, it's actually pretty compelling. You have this prophet on the run from God. He's deciding whether or not he wants to follow him. God gets his attention, saves him from the depths. He goes and he preaches to this city. They all repent, revival breaks out. The end. That would have been a great ending. But Jonah wanted to get the last word in. And so just a little bit longer, he sits there and he starts complaining and watching what God is and isn't doing to follow his script. And he tries to just vent on God one more time, but God always has the last word. And do you know the last thing, the last person speaking in the book of Jonah? It is God himself giving a message to Jonah and to us. He is the one who has the last word. He is the one who gets to decide the end of your story. So I look at the book of Jonah and say, hey, should it end at chapter three? And God's like, no, no, no. I have a different ending in mind. I wanted to end it after this. And there is a reason that he does that. I think he's trying to remind us of a few different things. I think he first wants to remind us That as much as Jonah tried to control his own story, he was never in control of it. The only one who was, was God. Who's the one who made a storm show up at just the right moment? It was God. Who's the one who made a fish show up in this story right when it was needed? Who's the one who made a plant grow out of nowhere, sent a worm to destroy it? And who's the one who sent a scorching wind to again, just get Jonah's attention one more time. The only one in control of the story was God himself. And if we would learn to stop fighting him on that and rest in him, trust in his leadership. Now again, I know it's not easy. Jonah was more concerned about being comfortable here. He liked his shade. And God took that comfort away from him, not because he was cruel, but he's trying to teach him a lesson. And sometimes God does that. Not everything God does in my life is easy and fun and just a blast. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a battle. And sometimes I feel like quitting and giving up. And there are times I've looked at God and literally said, why are you doing this? And sometimes he tells me and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he just looks at me in my spirit and says, right now, you just need to trust me. I look at the story of Nineveh as well. Do you realize that it's about a generation or so later that Nineveh comes in and they raid and basically destroy most of Israel as a nation and they exile a bunch of people, they do all this stuff? If I was Jonah and I was trying to write the story, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely, let's get rid of Nineveh right now before they come and attack us. But God had a bigger plan. He ultimately used Nineveh to get the attention of Israel. And, and Judah as, as well, that he's saying, hey, this is now my judgment on you. And if you would repent like Nineveh did several years ago, I would change the story as well. They saw and knew the story of Nineveh, an evil city. 
that could have been judged, and they decided to repent. And you know what Israel did? They said, we don't need God. We can make it on our own, and we'll write our own story. If they had learned the lesson that God was trying to teach them, I think their story could have been very different. God takes you through those battles for a reason. I don't always know when or why or how, but I know I can trust and rest in his character. Satan's the one who will try to tell you God's not a good God and he hates you or he's unjust or unloving. That's the lies where he's trying to write his own script. But he is not those things in any way. He is a merciful God. And when I can recognize the mercy and grace he's shown me, suddenly I have the ability to try to forgive others because I have been forgiven. That's the only reason forgiveness makes sense. Because they deserve to be punished. Nineveh deserved to be judged. Why would he then show mercy to them? Because God showed mercy to us. And we forget that so quickly. And we get our pride and say, I did this. And my story is about me. And it's like we're missing the point over and over again. We need to rest in the, the sovereignness and the love of our God. He is not a house pet that we can call whenever we want and control, like a dog. If he's a cat, you still can't do that. They run away, I know that. But if he's a dog, you can train them to do stuff and they'll come towards you. But he's not a house pet. He's not even a house cat. He is the lion of Judah. I don't go up to the lion and say, hey, come here, do whatever I want. We were, our, our family this week went to Arizona, and we got to see all these wild animals, and we were literally like outside of the jaguar cage, and um, our kids thought it was phenomenal because one of those jaguars got hungry, I think, and he was kind of ant- antsy there at the end, and he was hovering around the gate where I'm pretty sure they later open it and throw food in there, um, and we were standing right there kind of watching him, and Caleb, again, who's the smallest of us, was standing right there in front of him, and that jaguar just took and pounced at him and was like literally trying to bite at him, but there's a plexiglass thing that's really thick, so he can't touch him, and so we just filmed it and watched. like, look at him trying to eat your head, you know? It's like, I know. It was very easy when we're behind that thick glass and all that barrier, But if we're on the inside there with a wild animal like that, that's powerful, he's the one in control. My God is the one who is in control. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the director. He's the leader. He's the executive producer. He's everything. He is the one who gets to decide the end of your story. And that to me, is part of what's so powerful with the end of the book of Jonah as we kind of wrap up this series here. Worship team, if you make your way back up. The end of Jonah just kind of stops. It just feels a little disappointing. It feels a little weird. You're like, there should be more. It's just like we're going through the story, and Jonah is kind of complaining, and God corrects him, and then it just, we never know what Jonah does. We don't know how he responds. We don't know what happens years later. Does he go back home or what? Does he sit there forever? We don't know the story. And I think there's a reason to that. I think Jonah chapter 5 involves you. We don't know how Jonah responded because God's really just presenting a question to you. How you, will you respond to him? That's the question we have to answer. Will I try 
to write my own story and dictate how my life should work out and I'm going to try to make it all happen or am I going to learn to trust that God's the one in control? Even when it's not the way I expected or the timing I wanted, I know that he is faithful. I remember as well, I know I've shared this story, but when I was in college, um, I was at Bible college and I was dating another uh, another young lady before I was dating Katie. And nothing major or overt, but I really felt like God said, you need to lay this relationship down. And I fought with God on that one for quite a while. Because to be married, to have a family, that was something I had dreamed of for years. And God was asking me to give up the one guarantee relationship I had. And I didn't have anybody waiting in the wings. They weren't lined up for me or anything. I was like, God, if I give this up, I don't know if I have anything else. And I felt like God, again, asked me to trust him. I was like, but God, I'm, I, I am so scared. This is what I want. I know how I want my story to go. I meet this girl in college. We get married. We have kids. We do ministry together. I've, I've got it all figured out. Why won't you get on board? And he just kept stirring in me, and I felt like he just wouldn't let it go and just said, look, I'm, I'm not going anywhere else until you respond to this. This is what I'm asking you to do. Will you trust me in that? Finally, I did. We ended up breaking it up. Um, ultimately, we remained friends. Um, she became best friends with this other girl at college named Katie. It was a little awkward at first, but God worked it out. But about a year or so later, I ended up dating Katie. We ended up getting married, and God worked out all those details. And as, as not saying God couldn't have worked on the other relationship, but... I felt like God had something special for me, but I think first he had to deal with me. I had my plans, my vision, how it was gonna work, and I was gonna do this. And God was like, it's like an Abraham and Isaac, will you give up a blessing from me because you love me more than that blessing? And when I did, in his own way, God brought about this amazing, even greater blessing in my life. And I'm so grateful that I learned a lesson at that point. Even when God asks you to do something that's not easy or doesn't always even make sense, if you trust in Him, He will write an amazing story for your life. One way better than I could ever come up with. Way better than all the details I thought would be just perfect. And God's like, no, that's not, that's not how it's going to work out. And I'm so grateful for a God who is so patient and merciful with me, even with as stubborn as I am at times, even with as much as I want to do things my way, I serve a God who is so gracious, and it reminds me to be gracious to others as well. This morning, I want to give you a chance to respond. The story of Jonah to me is so challenging. In so many different ways, I see myself, not because he is this hero-perfect person, but just the opposite, because he's flawed, because he's messed up, because he's making mistakes, and somehow 
God has mercy on him. Somehow God uses his story that is impacting people for generations. He had a story he wanted to write for Jonah, and he has a story he wants to write for your life as well. But the longer you keep fighting against him, the more off track I believe your story will get. But if you, even today, will just surrender to his plan, I'm not saying it'll all be easy, but I'm saying he'll write an amazing story for you. If you would, all over this room, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? Maybe you're here today, and maybe be honest enough to say, you know what? I, I've kind of been running from God. Maybe I've been trying to make it happen on my own or whatever it is. Maybe there's sin in your life that you've been running to instead of running to him. And if you today would be willing to surrender to him, it's not a loss to surrender to him. That's the only place victory is found. The author and the finisher of your faith. So whether you're watching online or in this room right now, if that's you, and you would just be honest enough to say, you know what, my relationship with God is not where it should be. But this morning, the last Sunday of November, I want to make things right with God. I just want to pray with you this morning. And if that's you, would you just slip up your hand so I can believe God with you to change the trajectory of your story in your life even this morning. Thank you so much. If you're online as well, I pray that God stirs your heart. I know he sees you and I know he knows all that you're going through. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you so much for your goodness and faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that no matter how far off track we've gotten, Lord, you are so faithful to show your mercy and grace to us when we turn back to you and surrender to your plan and your purpose for our lives. And I pray that we would do just that. Lord, that we would rest in you, that we don't have to strive or fight or earn or, or make it happen. We can be obedient to your plan. When we understand or not, we understand your character and your heart. And I pray that you would write amazing stories all over this place. God, things that are, are more amazing than anything we could ask or imagine. But it is because of your Holy Spirit, your power at work in our lives, that even those things we have prayed for, the miracles we haven't seen, we will see revival break out like Nineveh saw. We will see miracles and healings and restoration. We're going to see people set free, Lord Jesus. Again, not because of us, but simply because of your power and I believe it is the story you desire to write over this body over this church and over this region so Lord we invite you to have your way we surrender to your plan and to your purpose in your name we pray